Welcome back, my friends, to the D-Rate the Hate podcast. I am Wilt from Wilkesworld.com, and this is going to be episode 70. And this week, we are going to talk to somebody who might get your dander up just a little bit, but uh, I think it's an important conversation. I have a question. Is there redemption for radicals? I'll let you stew on that for just a second. Here at the D-Rate the Hate podcast, we're all about bettering the world one attitude at a time. Now, we did not create the hate, but with your help, we can derate the hate. So what have you done today to make your life a better life? What have you done today to make the world a better place? It's all about all of us as individuals doing everything that we can to make our lives better lives and in turn making the world a better place. Now, let's get back to that question. Is there redemption for radicals? There's a lot of people out there that are deemed radicals and extremists and Does that mean once they're there, once they're in that position, they can't come back from it? Is there anything that a person can do once they've been labeled an extremist? Once they have gone to the extreme of hate? Now, I don't mean somebody who's killed another person or or destroyed the life of another person. There's certain people that do certain things that are certainly have no place anymore amongst civilization, amongst civilized people. But I'm just talking about the people who act out in a certain way or, or maybe they spent a lot of their life as a racist or, or in this case, uh, our guest today is actually the leader or the former leader rather of the National Socialist Party, which at one point was the largest Nazi movement in the United States of America. Now, Just Scoop led that organization for a very, very long time but ultimately had an awakening of sorts that led to him becoming de-radicalized. And not only become de-radicalized, but wanting to de-radicalize others, which is why he started the Beyond Barriers organization, where he and his team are doing phenomenal work to try and help de-radicalize people, help get people out of the Nazi movement, or extreme movements of all types. Now, does that get one redemption? Let's talk about that movement that Jeff Scoop was in. Let's talk about that awakening that he had to get him out of that movement. And let's talk about what Jeff is doing with Beyond Barriers now to de-radicalize others and get other people out of those hateful extremist movements. And then you decide, is there redemption for radicals? Let's get to that interview. All right, Jeff Scoop, thank you for joining the Derate the Hate podcast. I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate the fact that we were able to get together on such short notice. I uh, I just became aware of you recently when I saw a video where you were talking to Josh Stepakoff at the uh, Simon Wiesen. How do you say that? Wiesenthal Center. Simon Wiesenthal um, Center. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, I, I was really intrigued by the uh, the message you guys put out there and, and that that interaction between the two of you. And that was only a couple days ago. And and thankfully, we were able to make contact with each other. So uh, again, I I greatly appreciate the time and and the fact that we were able to get you on here on such short notice. So Jeff, the reason that I want to talk to you, and and I'll let you kind of explain your background to the listeners. The reason I wanted to talk to you is because I know you come from a radical background, and you've, you've been able to turn that around. At the D-Rate to 8 podcast, we're all about bettering the world one attitude at a time. I am a full-on believer that people can redeem themselves 
and be forgiven for their their past indiscretions. And the stuff that I've seen about you and your organization beyond beyond barriers so far has been impressive. Like I said, it's been a short time, but the stuff I've seen, I'm really digging. I like it a lot. So tell the listeners, what is your background? How did you come to be the founder of Beyond Barriers here in the United States? Well, that's a long story, but uh, to to go back, um, and, originally and it doesn't have to be the whole thing. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. We'd Jeff. be here all day. <laughs> yeah, just the abridged version, a couple minutes Abridged version. Yeah. Got it. So, um, from a very young age, uh, we'll start at the beginning. But from a very young age, I was interested in you know Nazism, basically. Um, back in you know many years ago. Um, my grandfather and my great uncles fought in the third Reich. So I had a fascination with that, even though it wasn't something that was promoted in our family or that they, um, supported or anything like that, but they had been involved, um, being attracted to history and, and being interested in history. Um, I was specifically looking into that, that history, that old that part of German history, unfortunately. And that led me eventually to try to find an organization like that here in the United States and to get involved. And eventually I joined an organization called the National Socialist Movement, which uh, is basically America's Nazi party. And I got involved in that and spent 27 years total involved in that organization. Um, 25 of those years, um, after being involved a couple of years, I had went up through the ranks of the organization and um, was appointed to run the organization. So I had 25 years of running America's largest Nazi party. What, what had When I joined, it wasn't the largest, but by the time I left in uh, early 2019, it was the largest Nazi party in the United States. So that's a little bit of the background on what I was involved with when I was mm-hmm. an extremist. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me, Jeff, so I get the, the history part. And now my, my, every male in my family has, has, you know, up to, up to the, the generation. And even, even I was in the military. I, I get that part of the history of your family and how you became interested in it, but to become so involved that you became the leader of it and were involved for 25, 27 years. Now that obviously to, to, to maintain that kind of a position to be that kind of, of leader of an organization that, that I think we both agree now is, is built primarily upon hatred for, for fellow human beings. How did that part manifest itself in your brain? That's a good question. And um, when you get involved in these type of things, and, and I'll, I'll speak from my personal experience and also for just in generally, a lot of the people getting involved in this, because it uh, from the outside looking in, I think a lot of people see it as like, why would anybody join that? And that's, that's normal to think like that. Why would anybody join that? I mean, now um, looking back and, and from the outside looking in, you know, that's that's a good question to ask. And that's that's what most people, when they're looking at these things, think of. Now, nobody and what how I want to explain this is nobody joins these organizations thinking to themselves, you know what? I'm going to be the bad guy. I'm going to get involved in this because I want to hold people down. I want to be you know, I want to oppress people. I want to do all these 
terrible things and I want to be hated. Nobody does that. Hate is fostered. Hate is developed within these organizations, but that is not the driving factor that typically gets people to join um, and get involved. And what it, what it boils down to really is fear. And um, when you're involved in it, you don't like to admit that. Um, it's not something that you probably don't even see it. If someone, someone had told me, hey, you're afraid, that's why you're involved in this, you know, they might have gotten punched in the face or something. You know, it wasn't, a, a, it wasn't something that um, people in these movements want to hear, but it is fear. And that fear breeds the hatred. It fosters that hatred. And it's, and it, it's, it's these, all these fears that they have. Um, for the far right specifically, and, and the cause that I was involved in, there was the fear of white people being genocided, fear of uh, the Jews were going to take over the world and control us and enslave us and all, all, these, all these sorts of things that are conspiracy theories. But people that are involved in it truly believe it, and they really do believe it. And that's, and that's uh, it's easy to look at it from the outside and just go, Ah, that's just hate. And, and these people are stupid, you know, and that's why they're involved in it. But that's not really accurate. Um, it is hateful. Yes. But that is not the, typically the driving factor. So if we want to get people out of it and, and you know, it asks like what I do today and what I do now um, beyond barriers uh, is that's one of the things that our nonprofit beyond barriers does is we help people we in conflict resolution, in dialogue. And bringing people out of extremist groups and so not just the far right, but the far left, religious extremism, cults, gangs, things like that. Right. Right. And, and that's that was my next <clears throat> question, Jeff, was, OK, so after 25 years uh, or 25 years in the leadership of the the largest neo-Nazi party in the United States and uh, 27 years total. And obviously, like you said, that hatred builds over time. It's not the not the beginning force, but it's sure, certainly the catalyst that keeps uh, keeps the wheels turning in those types of organizations. Now, and and you said you were there until 2019. Tell me what was what happened in, in 2019. Was it was it an over overnight thing? Was it a flip a switch? Was it an epiphany in a dream? What happened to make Jeff Scoop say? I've had enough with this neo-Nazi mentality, this mentality of hate. Um, what happened? Tell me, where did that, where did that come from? How did, how did you make that transition? Well, it's a process. It's not uh, for everybody. It's different. And it wasn't like a snap of a fingers and Hey, I'm out. Um, it started in my process was backwards. Uh, you know, this is not how we recommend getting people out of, of organizations is first you disengage then you de-radicalize. In my specifics, in my personal story, I was de-radicalizing before I disengaged, which is the opposite way of, of doing this. And, and we don't recommend it. It's not, uh, um, it's not the recommended way, but it, you know, my story is pretty unique and it's um, uh, unfortunate really, but um, it was experiencing different things through those, through that through that period of time where it wasn't just one instance, there was a number of instances and I can, I pinpoint some of those. And there's, there's some people that I can't talk about cause they're not public, but there was a lot of people that played a part in this, but some of the people that I can talk about are public, but in 2016, 
I met a man who I work with at to this day at Beyond Barriers by the name of Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis is a black man. He's a, a famous musician. He played with Little Richard, Chuck Berry. Uh, he lights the piano keys on fire. He's a phenomenal musician for anybody that uh, doesn't know him or hasn't seen him. Check him out, Daryl Davis. Uh, and Daryl's also one of the um, you know experts in this field as well. And we're just absolutely honored to have him. But I sat down with Daryl when I was still in the movement uh, for his film that he was working on at the time called Accidental Courtesy. And in that film, we're, we had sat down to film and he's telling me about when he was a boy in, and in the Boy Scouts and how he was being pelted with rocks in the Boy Scout parade and how that affected him. And of course, you know, we're filming for a documentary, I'm, you know, which is nothing new, was nothing new for me. I'd been in countless documentaries, but it was sitting across from someone that had experienced that trauma as a child and tell and sharing that with me. And here I'm thinking I'm, you know, going to do my part for the movement. I'm going to, you know, do, you know, another part in another film. Uh, no big deal. It's going to be for the movement. And here this this man's telling me about how hatred, how that racism, how it affected him as a child. And it it put me back, like thinking about my own children and the reasons why I got involved in this struggle, thinking that I was going to do something good, that I was going to save my people, save my nation. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this person, I've got this person sitting in front of me telling me about how that ideology damaged them as a child. It didn't sit right with me. And now I still stayed in the movement after that, but that was one of the big, big seeds that was planted. And within a year of that time, I had met another filmmaker uh, for uh, Dia Khan, who's a Muslim woman for the film, White Right Meeting the Enemy. And you can see a lot of things in that film that play out where she was getting to me in that film by reconnect, helping me to reconnect my humanity. And she was able to do it with other people that were in the film too. So anybody that hasn't seen it should check it out. But um, that's incredible. When I think most people want to be good in, in a lot of ways, our nature as human beings is not good. We have to, we have to fight our natures. We have to fight our nature to be good people in a lot of ways. I, I think ultimately we want to be good people, but it, it does it does take work at times to be good people. When we hear stories like that, you know, I, I tell you what, I, I grew up very miserable in a lot of ways. And I as a as a young adult, I was very angry. And, and I, I I stayed very angry a long time. It took me a lot of work to become a, a, a happier person. And I, I did that by realizing that the people around me did not deserve to be around a miserable person, you know, and, and I think that's a lot of what you're talking about here. I think when, when I hear your story and, and I can actually see on your face, the sincerity in, in what you're saying and, and how those emotions kind of come back to you when you're telling those stories and it's incredible. And when you think about the damage done to, to Mr. Davis when he was a child because of people who had, they had no knowledge of, of who he was. They just knew he was, he was a young black boy scout and they felt that he was somehow infringing upon the world that they wanted or, or some 
you know, white utopia that, that they believed truly existed. But they never, they never took the time to think about who he was as another human being. And then you talked about being in, in countless documentaries. I think it's great that, you know, you talked about the title of that, uh, Engaging the Enemy. What, what Say that again. What was the... Uh, white Right Meeting the Enemy. That was White the Right Meeting the Enemy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that, that's something that I, I definitely want to connect to in the show notes. Because I, I think those types of films are are incredibly important for what you and, and I are both doing. And that's that's to get people to engage more with each other. Because the more we know about each other, the better off we are. Now, I'm not one that believes in, in you know, as you get a chance to see more of what I've done and, and what I talk about on the the to 8 podcast, I am not one at all that believes that that white nationalism is the greatest uh, thing we must fear in the United States. I just I don't. I, I think it's the thing that's most highly publicized. I think it's one of the most evil things that that uh, a person can become involved with. And I'm just being completely honest. I, I don't believe in in white supremacy. I don't believe in in white nationalism. And I also don't believe the politicians that try to use it as a pandering point to make everybody scared. Because as you and I both know, and, and what you alluded to earlier was it it's not necessarily, it doesn't start as a hate thing. It starts as a internal fear thing that somebody is infringing upon your life. And I think we see that a lot in our in our media. I think we see it a lot, Jeff, in in the politicians and the way that they try to divide us. And they are always they're they're always putting us in these boxes. Now, again, I I, I can't say it enough times. The whole concept of white supremacy and white nationalism to me is is nonsensical in the fact that I don't think it's as large a movement as the media and the politicians would have you believe. I don't think most Americans know anybody who's actually a Nazi when politicians are always screaming about Nazis under, especially in the past three, four, five years. There's a Nazi in every closet. There's a Nazi under every bed. Everybody who doesn't agree with me is a racist. I think that stuff is nonsensical. And I think it's built to drive division and built to drive fear and built to build a bigger movement like the one that you just got out of. You make some really great points there. And and the the division right now that we're seeing in the country is, is something that I haven't seen in my lifetime. It's, and um, I agree with you. There's a lot of um, a lot of times the term Nazi is thrown around quite a bit and, and it can apply by today's standard, it can apply to just about anybody, depending on who the accuser is. You know, um, my story, I come from a real Nazi movement, you know, but you're right. That is not the majority in this country. And, and uh, a lot of what we're seeing right now, the politics of division are toxic, absolutely toxic. And it is designed. I don't want to get into a conspiracy theory about it, but when you, when you make everything about race and in this this could be, you know, hitting people on the left and the right. If, when you make everything about race, and when I hear that in 
today's society in the media and things like that, you know what I think of? It reminds me of my time in the movement because everything in the movement, in the, in the Nazi party, in the movement, in that movement, when I say the movement, I'm generalizing. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when I was in that movement, everything was about race. So mm -hmm. when you see that talk in, in the media and in the public today, that's what it reminds me of. And, and I, I do warn about it. I don't, I don't pick sides. I'm nonpartisan as, as much as possible because I think it's important in the work that we do in conflict resolution mm -hmm. Absolutely. and to change and save lives. It is so important. And, and that's that thought that everything, you know, making everything about race, we're supposed to be beyond that as a country. And I, I think that's that's a really important message. You're exactly right, Jeff. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's why I talk about the things that I do. Tell me about or talk about this this paradigm shift that we need a, as a as a country. I know at Beyond Barriers. Uh, you are about de-radicalization and it's not about politics and, I, and I'm glad it's not. I, I try not to let politics overwhelm the, the conversation on the D-Rate Day podcast because that's not what it's about. It's about relationships. It's about what I can do to make my life better today, uh, what you can do to make your life better today. Because as you make your life better and I make my life better and each of us as individuals makes our life better, we're going to make a better world. So talk to me about the paradigm shift that a young radical needs to become de-radicalized? Great question. And that starts with not dehumanizing one another, seeing the humanity in each other. And that's, and that's basically the concept of Beyond Barriers is that you've erected these barriers in your mind. You've set them up yourself. Nobody did this to you, but the radical or the person that's in there has put these barriers up and you don't allow yourself to see the humanity of people that are beyond the barriers or in that echo chamber or that bubble, whatever you want to call it. But your group or your in crowd, whatever however you want to see it are with you behind those barriers. And that's your, that's your media. That's your information. That's how you think. If you doubt something, they all uphold the mission of the group. So it's very cult-like actually, if you break it down, I didn't like that term when I was involved. Um, but it, breaking it down once you're out and you you're looking at it, my gosh, it is, is about as cult-like as you can get. So, um, yes, you know, we do need to, uh, absolutely change the way we we look at each other a lot of times i think for society when they look at especially when they look at radical organizations and i don't care right left whatever when you look at a radical uh, an extremist when you look at those people that are in there they feel like they fit in that checkbox like oh that person's just evil and it's easy to say that because like hey if you're out there spewing hate and racism and that sort of stuff what other label to put on it yeah that's just evil well, we're not going to reach those people. And I'm not saying, you know, everybody should stand together and hold hands and sing Kumbaya or anything like that anyways, because some people are not ready or willing to do that sort of thing. But we have to rehumanize one another. And this is something before I left the movement, I, I remember doing an interview at, at one point, and I was talking about how, how the press and the public dehumanizes us people in the movement at the time. And the, the press people were looking at me like, just give me this crazy look, you know, but not, not saying anything, like not calling me out on it. So here is somebody 
myself that was dehumanizing countless people, entire races and groups of people all my life. And I'm sitting here talking about dehumanization. The irony of that does not fall far from the tree, you know, now looking back, you know, like, I mean, how ironic, but Mm -hmm. the point being was, is so that's when I was, I was starting to go through that de-radicalization process. So I was seeing that I was being dehumanized but I didn't see the irony of, of being the dehumanizer. So that's all, these are all like little puzzle pieces. And if Uh you rehumanize the individual that's in there, and a lot of times it just has to, it it comes down to conversations. And one of the reasons why Daryl Davis and even Dia Khan and with the work we do as well at Beyond Barriers that were successful in reaching people is because we listen. So when Daryl Davis, Daryl Davis has, over the years gotten over 200 clansmen and people like that to walk away from the movement, give him his robes and give them his robes and that's incredible. Uh, their robes. Yeah. So, and it, and it all comes down to dialogue. It comes down to listening. So even the far right, especially respect is a big thing. It's, it's huge. So if you sit down with somebody and you, you listen to them, even the most vile garbage is coming out of their mouth and you listen to them, conversations are reciprocal. So now they have to listen to you. And that's when you can slide through those barriers or open that window and go, well, what do you think about this? Or how about this? And you can plant those little seeds. Don't expect it to work immediately. It typically Mm -hmm. doesn't. For some people Mm -hmm. it does, but typically it doesn't. Usually you have to plant some seeds and a lot of it just has to, it's simple, like just being kind and listening and and, uh, having that dialogue. Right. Well, like I said in the beginning, Jeff, I I think you know, personally, I think most people are not beyond redemption. Uh, I think most people for most things can be forgiven. You know, there's, there's certainly things on this planet and certainly things amongst human beings that are unforgivable and would render somebody incapable of being uh, amongst other human beings. And don't get me wrong there. But I, I think most people for most things can be can find redemption they can they can they can be reached and and it's important work that that you and the folks at beyond barriers it's very important work that you're doing because it's better i I don't think we would be a good human being if we didn't at least try to reach those you know uh, another friend of mine that that works hard on de-radicalizing people is uh, muhammad ahmed uh, of averagemuhammad.com and and he does a lot of work with young people and tries to reach young people before they can become radicalized. And and I think that's incredibly important work. And that's that's on the same level as what you're doing. And, you know, it, it's really when you think about it, Jeff, the, the folks in the Nazi movement, let's, let's be realistic. A lot of it is thought and talk because the actions, the, the parts that that you were talking about like Daryl Davis experienced it as a young child when uh, they were throwing rocks at, at a young Daryl Davis in a Boy Scout uniform in a parade. That stuff is not happening today. And if it does, it is such a scarce event that, and it's so socially unacceptable that, that you just don't get away with that stuff nowadays. When it's just still in the thought stage or the mentality stage, I think you can still find that redemption for certain people. And, and I think that's incredibly important the way that you're, you're doing that and the way that you're talking about doing it, because 
by instantly demonizing them and, and, and driving them further away from that paradigm shift, we will never get anywhere as a society with those who wish to continue building that hate wall that they, that they do. Like you said, it doesn't start as hate, but it begins to mani- manifest itself as hate the longer things go and, and the more people push them away that hate begins to manifest itself more and more. And then it, then it eventually probably will reach that point where it manifests itself in, in actions, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, attacking people or, or burning crosses or, or firebombing, whatever. If we can reach the people before those thoughts and even some of those words manifest themselves in, you know, in unforgivable actions, it, it's our duty as Americans. It's our duty as human beings to do that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's, I mean, I agree with you 100% on that. And I'm glad you uh, mentioned Average Mohammed. He's actually, we do work. I, I He's my brother and we're working on a project right now that should be out in a couple months. But um, that's that's really what it boils down to is is being able to help people change. And a lot of times uh, people will look at it as like, well, you know, okay, so a group like Beyond Barriers is trying to stop people from uh, getting uh, too radical and, and get in this. And, and why do we care about these extremists? Just lock them up. Or I've heard that before. I've I've even gotten some criticism before. And they say, the only reason Jeff Scoop is doing this work is to save his old Nazi buddies. I've heard that accusation. And I think, you know, it's like, okay, if you save one person that, you know, was going to get involved, okay, great. That's bonus points. But I'm looking at it from a perspective of, what if we off ramp the next synagogue shooter, the next Christchurch mosque shooter, the yep, next, yep. Uh, you know, Sikh temple shooter? What if we off ramp that person? It's not about saving that guy or that lady's life. It's about saving all those innocent people and all the families that the ripple effect that goes out through the whole entire community. And that uh, goes back to exactly what you were just saying about humanity as as our duty as human beings as Americans or as humanity to try to do something better. It's not that narrow view of looking at like, well, that one guy that we just off ramped last month, we saved him. That's great. No, it's countless lives. And that's the, that's the big picture. That's the way people need to look at it because we are saving potentially countless lives by doing this work. You're absolutely right, Jeff. You're absolutely right with, uh, I think you're right on point. I think it's I think it's important what you and and the folks at Beyond Barriers are doing. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. I I know that the message you're putting out there falls greatly in line with with what I'm doing at the Derate the Hate podcast. Uh, you know anything that we can do as, as human beings to bring down that level of hate. You know I I, I talk I open each show and I I talk you know I say we did not create the hate. But with your help, we can derate the hate. We can turn it down. It's a matter of how we live our lives, how we can get involved. If we see a potential for a uh, somebody becoming radicalized, like you're talking about, if we see the potential for somebody to become that next mass shooter or the things that they're doing, if we can get to them and we can get them 
to engage in that paradigm shift. There's nothing that we can do more important for that person. Not only for the people, like you said, not only for the the ripple effect that it has upon the victims, but that person is so filled with hate. And if we can somehow get them back to reality and, and get them to engage in real life and become a happier person and a less hateful human being, then we have to do it, Jeff. We've got to do it. And and you guys are doing it over there beyond barriers. And I greatly appreciate it. I, I you know, my hat's off to you. And I, and I got to tell you, I, I hope we can, uh, I hope we can talk about this kind of stuff more often. I think, uh, I think what you're doing and the derate the hate podcast, uh, we can collaborate and, uh, and really make a difference in some lives. I, I really hope so. I really think so. You are. You are. Every every time we talk about this type of thing and, and put this uh, these messages out there, it gets people to think. So keep up the amazing work that you guys are doing and um, happy to collaborate with you on, on future projects as well. Jeff Scoop, I greatly appreciate your time. But we definitely have to do it again. Keep up the good work, my friend. I appreciate you too. it. Thank, thanks for having me. Friends, I will ask you again, do you believe in redemption for radicals? I believe in redemption for radicals. I think there's a time that we have to look at things from a different perspective and be able to step outside our own mentality for a minute and figure out how did certain people get to be the way that they are? How can we reach those people? What can we do to help them become better people. Instead of just demonizing everybody right offhand, let's think about how we can reach them from a human perspective. How can we help them to make their lives better? How can we help them to make the world a better place? Jeff Scoop and Beyond Barriers USA are making the world a better place. This is a man who was a part of a hateful organization, and through the work and the words and the experiences of people like Daryl Davis and Dia Khan, he had a paradigm shift. He was able to figure out that his life needed to change, his mindset needed to change, the world around him needed to change, and he is doing great work with the folks at beyondbarriersusa.org to make the world a better place now. So ask yourself, Is there redemption for radicals? Just think about it. Again, what have you done today to make your life a better life? What have you done today to make the world a better place? It's all about us as individuals putting in the work, just like Jeff Scoop and the folks at beyondbarriersusa.org. With that, I'm going to say get out there, be kind to one another, be grateful for everything that you've got, and remember, it's up to you to make each and every day the day that you want it to be. I am Wilk from WilksWorld.com. Email me. Let me know what you think. Check us out wherever you get your audio. Leave us feedback. Subscribe and share us with your friends. We're also on most social media platforms. Check us out and follow us there too. Share us with your friends there. We're all about bettering the world one attitude at a time, and I hope you join us in that fight. Thank you very much, and I'm going to back on out of here. We'll catch you next week. Bye.